Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, episode 32 is underway. You're listening to We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I got the producer that makes this thing possible in the lounge, Sean Denovan. I'm still here. And we also got a guy... Amazing guy. He's been teaching me a lot lately. I can't wait to get to our featured guest. Uh, he is a counselor, a therapist. He owns his own practice, Premier Counseling. He's also like a guru when it comes to meditation and mindfulness. Don't shake your head, bro. We don't, we, we don't need, you know, I appreciate the humbleness, but he's amazing. Ryan Park. Yeah. What's up, y'all? So you can call me a therapist, a counselor, or a guide. Okay. So any okay. one of those. Any work. one of those you're comfortable any with. Any one of those work. You don't like being called a guru? No. <laughs> what about a Jedi? Uh, I like Jet. I like Star Wars. So yeah, you sure. like Star Wars? Yeah. We were talking a little bit before this, and you were saying Ty Hansen's always hitting you up about being a, a mindfulness Jedi. Yep. Ty Hansen is awesome. Love that guy. <laughs> Love that guy. Good deal. Awesome. So, episode 32 is brought to you, part one is brought to you by. Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, please, seriously, just reach out to them. 801-800-8142. They are an amazing, amazing organization. Just give them a call. You got some experience working at Steps too, right, Ryan? I do, man. Steps is awesome. Um, I would recommend them for anybody um, that's looking to get into recovery. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're an amazing program. All right, well, let's do a little check-ins. We always start off with kind of what's new and good, what's going on in your world. So, Ryan Park, what is new and good? Uh, there is a lot that's new and good in my world. Um, I just feel that I live in a world of gratitude and blessings, and you know, um, very grateful to be here today. Um, honored that you would ask me to be on your podcast and. Yeah, my life is amazing. Um, I have my wife, my two kids. We own our business. Um, just love, man. We have a, a beautiful life, so I'm very grateful. I'm grateful because just to be totally transparent, when I first asked you, I had to do a little begging and pleading. I think at one point I was on my knees, like, and you were walking away, and I was like scooching, right? Like, <laughs> please come on. Just kidding, but you, you shared this isn't your natural element, right? No. So, so you're in a growth stage yes, as we speak. Yeah. So doing group, doing doing what I do for a living, I'm very very comfortable in that. Um, this is outside of my comfort zone, and so when you asked me to do it, I felt like this is a good time for growth. So I'll I'll show up and roll with it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you, and I'm grateful for you being here. Thank it's gonna, you. I think you got a lot to offer. A few weeks back when I sat in one of your groups, uh, you know, doing my internship thing, I learned a lot from you and I took, I took those things and I started doing them and man, it's been very impactful for me. It's helped me a ton. And so we're going to get to some of that stuff that, that, uh, I feel like you're, you're huge in and you're tapping on a, a big thing that can, all the listeners that listen to this, please like be open and give some of these things a try. I think that it, ultimately could, could change a lot for you. Yeah. So the only two things that I ever ask of anybody is, um, openness, just, just be open to new things, you know, um, and willingness, be willing to try. So those two things are huge. If you have those, you're ahead of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to get to it before that though. Sean Denovan, what's new and going on in your world? Life's great. Nothing new. That's it. So Sean Denovan, a lot. I got a couple new podcasts coming up, though. Do you? Yeah. So I got some more people saying, hey, we want to do a podcast. I'm like, I'm the guy. Nice. Nice. Hit up Sean Denovan if you want to do a podcast. So you're looking pretty official today. Well, all I did is I buttoned (laughs) two more buttons on my shirt and put a tie on. That's all I did. And you're like a whole new man. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, it's two buttons down, no tie. But I've been trying the whole tie thing. I'm trying to get respect from the students I teach. Yeah. So instead of calling me Sean, they're calling me Professor Denovan now. Oh, all it takes is two buttons and a tie. That's it. Two buttons and a tie. Ties that have been sitting in my closet for 20 years. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess I'll put one on. It's not choking me, so I guess I'm okay. 
So I made a vow um, when I was in my early 20s that I would never, ever get a job that I had to wear a shirt and tie for. I'm, so I respect you. I don't That's, have to. I have chosen to. I like true. that. I like that. Now, if they forced me to, I'm out of here. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, thank you for your new and good. That's Mr. Denovan to you. Professor Denovan. Professor Looking Denovan. sharp. Yeah. I actually, I'm not a professor, but whatever. <laughs> the tie makes it look official. <laughs> I'm official. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Cool. Well, uh, let's get into it. So Ryan Park, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, you mentioned that you're married. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned that you have a practice. We mentioned that you're a therapist. We mentioned that you're great at, at meditation, mindfulness, kind of all the above. I, I've just got to shoot you straight. You look like a yogi to me, which is not a bad thing. What, what does a yogi look like? Do you just like a very, uh, uh, somebody that's very much into yoga. So what I'm getting at, and I don't know, I'm just trying to be cool and throw a name out there. Let's be honest. Like I have no idea, right? I heard the term and I'm like, that's Ryan. And so, so I'm, I'm going with it, but tell us about Ryan. Let our listeners get to know you. Um, so I, uh, when it comes to mindfulness meditation, um, I definitely consider myself a novice. Um, there are experts out there and you know, I, I feel like I'm on that path and, and going in that direction. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just learning, just learning every day. So, uh, what, what would you like to know? Tell us about, so you're married, Mm -hmm. wife, kids. Yep. My wife's name is Trina. My wife is beautiful. She's intelligent. Um, she's kind. She is amazing. She is in a master's program right now herself. So she is in, uh, the university of Utah, uh, masters of social work program and she is killing it in there. So she's going to be a phenomenal therapist as well. So she's, she's amazing. We have a four-year-old. Um, her name is India. She is the light of my world. Um, I think something that I'm probably that helps me start my day is waking her up in the morning. She wakes up with a huge smile on her face every day. And I'm like, teach me your ways. <laughs> like, how do you do that? I want to be there. Um, I have a six year old son, Leo. Um, Leo is incredibly intelligent. Um, both of my kids are beautiful, just good looking kids. Um, my son though is just he's probably smarter than me at this point in his life, which, you know, I'll say something to him and he's like, that's not true dad. And then he'll like, give me the facts. He watches, (laughs) he watches like uh, Ted talks for kids. Oh really? Yeah. Man, he's gonna, he's gonna be, he'll tell you about atoms and what they're made up of and what those, what those particles are made up of. And he will get down to the corks and all that stuff. So they're fun. They're cool. That's amazing. And you know, I've, I've said on other podcasts, like if we could just have like the, the, um, you know, wanting to learn, right. And, and being able to look at things with an open perspective, like a kid does, we, I think we would all be so much better off because I find myself often in my schoolwork going, Oh, I have to do this tonight, or I have to get this assignment done. I have to go and do this. And as a little kid, you don't look at it through that lens. Mm -hmm. When you're learning it, when, when your son's learning about atoms, he's not thinking of it like, Oh, I have to learn about atoms, right? He's curious. He's naturally curious. They're like, a dry sponge wanting to absorb things. So, yeah. yeah, I always say that our kids are here to teach us. We're not here to teach our kids. Our kids are here to show us how to fully live and embrace life. Yeah. And to be happy and to have joy. Yeah. I could agree with that for sure. Great. So how long have you been married? Um, we're coming up on 10 years. Way cool. Yeah. Which Way is amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's flown by. It's, cruised by and it just gets better. So I'm super grateful for, I'm grateful that she chose me. Um, she is way out of my league (laughs) in, in every way possible. So I, I got super lucky with her. That's awesome. I'm sure that she would say the same thing about you. if She came on. Maybe I'm a little interested now. Maybe we should dig into this. So how did you guys meet? Well, it's so, I, I, I got sober at a certain point and, um, really started to, to challenge some of the storylines that I've held for so long. One of them being that I was stupid. Um, I, I felt from the time I was in probably first grade, you know, that I would, I would, I wasn't good at school. I struggled at school. I had had a hard time learning to read, um, never could learn math just really had a hard time, got expelled my senior year. 
Um, in my late twenties, that's, that's kind of when things started opening up for me. Okay. Um, and I started challenging some of those storylines that I held and that was a big one for me. It was challenging is what, what if that storyline's not even accurate? You know, what if I was just sitting in class and wanted to be outside playing and, you know, somebody gave me the title of, oh, he's a daydreamer or he doesn't want to be here or he's not good at school, you know? So I really started to challenge those things and taught myself math. I taught myself uh, algebra um, and I ended up taking a couple of college classes and it was probably two semesters in and I met her. So I, I was in an English class and it was the first day. And back then, <laughs> it's embarrassing, but I used to wear a lot of bandanas. I used to have a bandana on my head, my back pocket, uh, my short bleached hair. And okay, the I teacher didn't... singled me out and said, you're going to be a problem. You know, I'm oh, going to wow. have issues with you. And I'm like, no, like I'm good. Don't, you know, right, right. Don't, judge, judge, don't judge this book by its yeah, cover. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I immediately removed myself from that English class and there was one spot available in a different one. And I got into that one. And I remember the first day I showed up, there was uh, seats available all over the place. And this girl walked in late. And I remember thinking, wow, this girl is beautiful. And she awkwardly went through all the different places to sit and sat next to me. Wow. And so we just became friends all through the semester. I waited till the very last day to ask her out just in case she said no. Right. So right. that it wouldn't have to be awkward and sit next to her. Yeah. The, the fear of uh, being <clears throat> turned down and the fear of refusal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you shared that though, because I'm kind of in a little bit of that stage. I've been in that journey even to this day myself, I'd say for the last probably two to three years. Like I, I've started questioning things like, do I listen to this music because... I was told that this is cool or do I really like this? Right. Right. And just kind of challenging. I remember going through a phase uh, where I was like, I'm going to redefine what beauty is to me. Right. Because the world standards of beauty might not be my standard of, of beauty, whether right. that's uh, in relationships, whether that's um, artwork, right? Like what do, what, what do I like? Yeah. kind of a rediscovery phase right so that's cool i like that cool. yeah. yeah so you did dabble on you did touch on that after your addiction so you're you're a brother in recovery yep so um not to to really because my story um you know it, it could probably blend into a lot of other stories pretty easily so there's not too much significance in it but it's it's kind of helpful to understand how i found the path yeah yeah let's on. get it and so um yeah, like most people, um, got into smoking marijuana, cannabis, and other stuff, uh, 15, um, got expelled, got some serious charges that led into getting into other things, opiates, Oxycontin, which led to heroin. Um, anyways, so my journey was that I, I finally got on, I, I found out about something called methadone back, or yeah, it was methadone. And back at the time, they didn't even have clinics here. I had to go to Vegas to get it. Oh, wow. You commuted all the way to Las Vegas. Every day. Which is how long of a drive, just so the viewers can... We're in St. George, Utah. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Hour and a half drive. And they closed at like 7 in the morning. So we would leave at like 3. So me and my brother were both together. My older brother. Okay. We're, we were both on this journey together. And uh, anyways, and being on methadone for about a year and a half, I was in IOP at a program here locally and switched over to Suboxone, was on that for about six months, came off of that, completed the treatment program, just kind of did the traditional um, treatment and it was really good. I really had the desire to change and, but I didn't really, I don't know, you know, try to figure out why I started doing what I did in the first place. Um, I just quickly jumped into a new identity, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, I went so you from, didn't do a ton of self-investigation. No, or I didn't do any personal work. I didn't even know what that was. Okay. Yeah. I just, you know, thought, okay, well now I'm sober. So now I'm going to be this and do these things. Got you. And, and was there a reason? Was there something that attracted you to that? Or is that just what you thought you were supposed to do? Like why, why the shift instead of kind of the, cause a lot of times, so there's, there's a, a building that's worth billions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Skyscraper. Well, they came to find out that the foundation on this building was wrong. Mm -hmm. They started seeing cracks in it. So here's this beautiful billion dollar building that's basically worthless because the foundation was built. They didn't, they didn't go deep enough yeah. to be able to support the structure. And I, what you're describing to me reminds me a lot of that because yeah. it's like, if you don't get down to the root core, if you don't plant some foundations that are deep enough and do that interpersonal work, 
sometimes we start building on top of something that has a rocky foundation. Right. And I don't know whether, I don't know your story at all, but I don't, and I don't know if it led to, led to a relapse or not, or if you just came back later and did some, some patchwork. Yeah, but. no, it all resurfaced. It all came back. So, um, for me, uh, you know, my whole life was based around doing certain things. So getting high, the music that I listened to, the way I spoke, um, the way I dressed. It was your way, identity. It was my whole identity. I didn't yeah. know anything outside of that. So now it's like, just be a sober person. And I'm like, <laughs> it was really uncomfortable for me to be like, well, who am I right. without that? And so I very quickly developed a new identity new narrative i didn't have an in-between phase where i was like self-discovery i just jumped into something different just because i didn't want to feel that discomfort of who am i without this Got you. or what is my life meant to be um and so you fast forward a couple of years and um you know i never liked drinking and all of a sudden i find myself going to parties college parties and come to find out i can drink more than everyone there you know and i I use it probably as an ego thing where I can, you know, oh, look at me. I can out drink everybody here. And you turned into Frank the Tank. Off man, of Frank the Tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of old school. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, <laughs> anyways, and, and that just, you know, slowly led into uh, me drinking in the morning. Um, oh. I would drink because I had anxiety. You know, I, I was filled with dread and anxiety. Um, I just had this fear of the future, you know, fear yeah. of what's next obsession of what's next. And at the time I was working at an art gallery and it's ancestor square. It's beautiful. I ran two galleries and I would run back and forth between them. Um, the owner was never there. She was in California. So it was just me and man, I just lived in a world of stress, you know, just trying to make commissions, selling these worried about money. Um, again, just like living in a state of fear, you know, and yeah. discomfort. And for me, I, it went from opiates to alcohol. I would try and mask that. And I found myself again, like drinking during the days just to not feel that dread. And was there some justification going on inside of you saying, well, this isn't, this is socially acceptable. I'm okay. Like it's no, not I knew opiates. it was terrible. Okay. So you, so, I so was like, this that. is heroin again. This is okay. like, I'm having withdrawals you know, hangovers, but they were like withdrawals, you know, yeah. and I'm like, Oh my God, this is manifesting again, just with a different substance. And luckily at the time I read some, like I said, I had way too much time on my hands running these art galleries. There'd be hours in between people coming in. And mm -hmm. I happened to find some really, um, powerful spiritual books. And those started to kind of change the way that I was thinking about things. And I just kind of had a, a profound, um, change or shift that happened one day where I can remember it very specifically where, um, it, it like the present moment became the forefront. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah, it was like all that I could be aware of was just how amazing everything was in this moment, how crystal clear everything was taking each breath, how good it felt, how being in that space, I was like, I was calm. I felt I had peace and walking outside of the galleries and just seeing it was springtime and seeing the trees just blooming the smells of the grass. There was used to be a lot more restaurants in there back then and you could smell the food and they have the streams that go through there and just like, Oh my gosh, how have I missed this? Like, how have I not seen this my whole entire life? You yeah. know? And that was the catalyst and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was called. Um, was I it something like, how did that shift happen in you? Was it something you read from one of these books? Is it something that somebody suggested? How does anything happen? I don't know. So it just hit you. I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure it was very influenced by some of these books. The books didn't necessarily talk about the present moment, but it just created a shift in me. Okay. And it opened me up and yeah, I remember I was doing an art show with some guy and I was, it was an artist from Salt Lake and he was like, I was talking to him about these ideas, just like, how, how are we missing this, this, this moment, this is beautiful. Like, look where we're at, you know, yeah. look what we're seeing. And he's like, you must've read Eckhart Tolle. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, you should read the power of now. And so that book kind of gave me some vocabulary. Had that been the book that you were reading? What's that? Had that been the book that you no, were reading? No, I didn't oh, know what it was. but he gave you a good book. Yeah, he said you should read. He said a lot of things you're talking about right now sound like the book, The Power of Now. You should check Very it cool. out. And yeah, that book was incredibly powerful in my life because it was like he was talking about a lot of the things, you know. Yeah, that you were feeling and going through mm -hmm. and you could totally relate with. And again, the present moment became the, the, 
it, instead of it being the background, it became the foreground. It became my attention was always in that, you know, and I was connected to life. And it was interesting. I woke up one morning. It was after a hangover had worn off. <laughs> And I had this profound feeling that it's over. I was like, I, I don't need a drink anymore. Like the desire was just gone. Yeah. And I didn't tell anyone about it. It wasn't, you know, like sometimes you're like, oh, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to quit. And you go right. tell everybody I'm motivated. It yeah. wasn't like that. It was just like, it had like, it had like removed itself from me. Wow. Almost like a spirit was attached that just had let go and I could feel it. And yeah. So as maybe a third person looking inward, do you think that part of that as kind of a, from a therapist standpoint, do you think it's because you found something besides alcohol to relieve that anxiety and to relieve that, like you said, kind of the busy mind, you, you were able to slow your mind down and be aware of the present moment and just enjoy the here and now. How much of that do you think was it, right? It replaced what you needed from alcohol because you found that peace. Well, yeah, I, I was constantly trying to, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Like, when there wasn't distraction, I felt awful. And for the first time I felt peace and uh, wholeness in my own skin and it just shifted everything. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Pretty cool. So how uh, around this time, had you met your wife yet? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So yep. you were, we were dating, dating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So kind of take us from there. How did that? Cause obviously it didn't just stop there. You you're heavily involved in, you got kids now, you're a therapist. Mm -hmm. Where did it go once you found this new way of, of living in the present moment? Uh, it changed everything. So um, working at these art galleries, I was somebody that depending on the situation I was in, um, I was an actor. I would wear a mask. You know, if yeah. I was working there, I was acting. I was selling paintings. I was acting as if I was this you were playing that role. I was playing a role and I was always playing roles depending on who I was at, you know, like nobody really besides probably my wife saw like my authentic self. And what this did was this created a, a whole world of integrity and honesty and I could no longer act. And so working at the art galleries, people would be like, should I buy this painting? Is it going up in value? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> do you like it? That's not the role you're supposed to no, play. No, I'd normally I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, if you look through this and you look at the, this artist is going up in value and we've sold this many and through Utah and Wyoming, you know what I mean? I would, yeah, I would yeah, play yeah. a part and they yep. wanted me to play a part too. Right. They wanted to be sold For and sure. I would be like, I don't know, do you like it? Yeah. And I like, I lost all interest. And at the time I was going to get moved up to Salt Lake to go to like a really big gallery that was opening. And I had the overwhelming sense that came over me, which I became very connected to my intuition at that point. And it just kept saying to me, um, this isn't your path. And I remember I just had all this fear because our bills, like I was dependent on that job, right. I, you know, and I just had this saying go through my head over and over, embrace the unknown. And I started writing it. I'd be in the gallery just writing it on everything. And yeah, I'm like I quit, you know, with nothing, no future, no job, nothing no safety lined up, net. nothing. My dad's like, you can't quit. What's wrong with you? That's the best job you've ever had. Cause it was, yeah. you know, I was a gallery director, which sounds nice. Right. Right. Um, like a respectable job, <laughs> right, you know? Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I quit and I listened to that intuition and I embraced the unknown and a whole world opened up to me. You know, that's I got into school. Um, I somehow fell into becoming, getting trained to be a prime for life instructor, um, working in recovery, um, getting my, uh, Sudsy and then ended up getting, you know, like, like for me going to school, I never expected to get a degree. And I did, I graduated with a bachelor's. I was on the Dean's list somehow. So once you embrace that fear, the universe kind of opened up for it, you. It opened up everything for me. That's amazing. And you touched on something that I want to, uh, it may, reminded me of the current book I'm actually reading right now. So for people that, that truly know me, they know I'm a book nerd and it's cool. I embrace it. I love it. I love books. And you touched on something, this, the, the customer wanted you to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And right now, um, I forget the author's name, but lost connections is the book that I'm reading. He does Ted talks, Joe, Jonan. He, anyways, um, everything. Jonas? Jo yeah. No, What's his I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> the, the Ted talk, everything you know about addiction is a lie. He's, mm -hmm. he's the guy that's the author of this book. And he talks about, he's talking about antidepressants and how the placebo effect happens. And I won't ruin the book for people. Go get it, read it. It's amazing. But he talks about 
the story that the the prescriber tells is just as powerful as the medication that they're giving mm -hmm. because our minds right we buy into that story hey your serotonin's low you know, you take this, it'll replace it. This is a, a brain thing. And so therefore we believe that story and the story becomes almost as powerful as, as the medication. Right. And that we find that out from the placebo effect. It's kind of, kind of crazy. It just reminded me of that. Cause you were saying like the expectation, they wanted you to sell the painting. Right. But then also people wanted the story behind it. Like they, they need that. Yeah. Like, right. Like, this right. is going to double in value. And they knew that we were just saying what we were saying to make a sale you know but they <laughs> right. they wanted to be sold right right you know but it. yeah the power of the mind right yeah, absolutely absolutely stay with us this has been part one of episode 32 we got ryan park on here in part part two of episode 32 we're going to get into what he's doing as a counselor some meditation and premier recovery you are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, and we're back. Episode 32 is going down in the books. Part one is over. We're jumping into part two. Episode 32, part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. Just the smell when I walk into that place. It's always so fresh. It's always so clean. Like the staff is always willing and, and, and you know, they're, they'll go above and beyond with their, their customer service. Definitely give them, give them a, a Google search. Check them out. Thanks to the Hilton Garden Inn. All right. So in the first part, we talked about kind of your path and how you came to this place. Mm -hmm. So I love it. We're talking about art. So where does it kind of go from there? Like it, you, you fast forwarded through a lot there. You said, I, I, you know, basically once you opened up yourself to kind of the universe, you didn't know the path and mm -hmm. you had a lot of fear. Right. And you, what it, was it? What was it that you wrote down? I apologize. I don't remember. Embrace the unknown. Embrace the unknown. And once you kind of took that in, it's almost like the universe opened it up itself to you and you, you found a path. Yeah. What was that path? this is it. You're I'm, doing I'm, it. I'm in that right now. It's, it's being in alignment. Me and you talked about that, right? Like following the omens, uh, seeing the synchronicities, seeing the signs yeah. that are always, they're always there, but you have to pay attention, you know? And when you get that confirmation, when things are happening, um, and there's these connections that are happening, it's, there's no feeling to describe, uh, really being on that path. And so again, it just, I feel grateful to be here right now. I just think it's amazing, you know, really happy to be here. Um, what I, I probably something good to, to kind of describe a little bit is, um, something that I've run into cause I've, I've been at a lot of different, uh, treatment facilities doing internships for my, uh, master's program for my Sudsy. Um, a lot of people that are in groups, um, a lot of times have a, a kind of a misconception about what mindfulness is. So I would say that, uh, the term mindfulness is overused okay. and rarely embodied. Does that make sense? Yeah. But explain it a little bit more just to make sure that it solidifies in my brain and our listeners brain. So my concept, I don't even like the term mindfulness. That's just what everybody uses. And so I use it. Just so you've been cringing this whole time that I'm like mindfulness. And I don't <laughs> cringe and I use it myself. It's just not, yeah, it's just the accepted term for it. I yeah. don't know. It's almost a confusing term in and of itself, but just learning to live in the present moment, present moment awareness is really what that means. Um, but a lot of people have, uh, miss the, the I, I don't know. I wouldn't, don't want to call it misinformed, but, uh, when it comes to this, they, they, 
I try to give them a different perspective, I guess. And so for me, mindfulness, it's, it's not. Yeah. So if you're dealing with somebody like me, right, because before kind of we met and, and we went through the, the Wim Hof and the, the guided meditation and some things. And I, I want to learn more from you because it's like, you gave me a little slice and now I'm like, I want the whole pie. Right. But, yeah. uh, sure. Mindfulness, slow down, smell the roses. That's kind of what comes to mind to me, but I know there's so much more. So what would you say to somebody who's kind of naive like me that just thinks that that's it? Well, mindfulness is taught as a coping skill, right? Okay. Which is great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's radically different than that though, if that makes sense. It can be a coping skill and it can be helpful. I'm feeling stress or I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling depressed. Um, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. And, you know, I can, I can do some breathing exercises and like know, the Wim Hof. Yeah. You can do some breathing. things to, to feel better. But for me, mindfulness is a radical shift in perception. So it changes the way that you view life. It changes everything. It has all of these changes that occur in the brain, but it really connects you back to life again. As a, like, think about a child, right? My, yeah. my four-year-old and six-year-old, if I tell my four-year-old that we're going to Disneyland in three months, she's like, yeah, let's pack. We're going. And I'm like, no, in three months. And she's like, what? We're not going. And I'm like, no, three months. She has no concept of time. time. She doesn't, yeah, yeah. she's learning the days of the week, but the only thing that she knows is what's happening right now. Yeah. Nothing outside of that exists. She doesn't have a concept of past and future, right? She is completely in the present moment and learning how to live life based in reality because the present moment is the truth, right? What's happening here and now if you can learn to anchor your intention in this moment, this moment matters. And this moment has the power to, de to determine what happens next. So our past doesn't determine our future, right? It's what we choose to do in this moment. So if our attention is continuously pulled into the future and the past, we completely miss this. In fact, this becomes a means to an end, right? Yeah. I'm only here to get there. It's, it's you the just blew my mind. It's Ryan. the obsession of what's next, right? Nobody's explained it to me like that before. To be honest, like I'm not trying to like I'm being super real right now. Like nobody's explained that to me before, and I and I get that now, right? Like yeah, I can picture that as a kid. You tell a kid, you know, we're gonna go in five minutes, and they're like ready to go in this moment. They they don't understand. Yeah, and I'm terrible at that. Like I'll just be open and honest. I think a lot of people. Um, are terrible at that. Like I'm so busy managing the wreckage of my future that hasn't even happened yet. Right. That I, a lot of times I have a hard time enjoying just this moment and I definitely do the whole, okay, I'm going to, you know, this is just a platform to jump to this next stage. And to be totally honest, I've done that a lot. And, and I can, even in my recovery, I've, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to jump to this. And I think when I get there, I'm going to be happy. Right. When I get, when I, when this happens, therefore I will feel success, fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it's never, I get there and I taste it. It's and I'm fleeting. like, this is, this isn't, in this fact, isn't what I before want. you even get there, as soon as you know that you're going to arrive, your attention already moves to the next so that when you actually get whatever that is or accomplish that goal, yeah. it's like short lived. It's like, so what now I'm trying to do this. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's this obsession of what's next and you when you're, when you're not in the present moment, you're always in a state of somewhat agitation or boredom or anxiety, just anxiety. For me it's anxiety, just, this isn't like, I need to find something else. There has to be more. Right. Yeah. And we distract. So what is addiction other than distraction? Right. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably one of the best, well, well best and worst, right. It wrecks your life, but in the moment, right. You're feeling like you're escaping it. It's a right. distraction. It's a distraction. 100%. And every, every human's addicted to distraction, right? Cause we our all are trying to escape ourselves, right? Because if I was to ask you to go home and sit on your bed for an hour with nothing, like nothing to think about, no journal, no guitar, like not on your phone, not, you're not meditating, but just to sit there with yourself and not trying to like plan something, but just to feel what it feels like to be you, you would be like, no, yeah, I would never do that. Right. That'd because be extremely we're, hard. We're, we're trying to escape ourselves. Right? right. Like, but we are stuck with ourselves for this whole journey, <laughs> you know? So, um, so I'm going to give you a description of my version of mindfulness. Okay. So tell me a couple of things that you absolutely love doing that just bring you joy. So these could be like, snowboarding it could be uh, being at the gym it could be hiking it yeah. could be just tell me a few things that you truly actually love doing 
So this past Christmas, my brother moved from out of state back to Utah recently. My brother's a very successful man. He's he's a businessman. He moved back from from out of state to back home, back in Utah. And we're all sitting around Christmas Eve, and it dawned on me that this is for the first time in years, probably ten plus more years, that all my siblings had had been together as a family. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, like I'm getting emotional right now. In that moment, pure joy, pure yeah. joy. Yeah, boating. I have a, a cousin down here that has a boat and he lives locally and he invited me and Mandy out and went boating. I could have done that for days, yeah. for weeks, for months. Right. Like I was just pure happiness. You know, the splash of the, the water, the, the breeze, the, you know, hot air, or hot sun beating down on you, but you got that cool breeze, just right. pure joy. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of things that you love doing, right? Oh yeah. 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 So let's, let's take one example. So, uh, it's the simplest one. So being on the boat. Yeah. Boating. Right. Yeah. Um, what happens to your sense of time when you're out there and you're on the boat? I, you don't, you don't have your phone cause it probably you don't get cell service. I don't want it to get wet. You don't want it to get wet. <laughs> right, so your right. phone's kind of put away, but what, what happens to your sense of time? Your like understanding of, of time. Yeah. I don't, I don't have it. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Like, do you ever have the feeling of like, man, has it been 20 minutes or has it been two hours or I no. hope there's more time or you just don't know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm lost. I'm lost, lost. In, in the moment. Yeah. Right. The concept of time has absolutely disappeared. Right. Right. Um, another thing. So when I say the, the story of you or the drama of your life, what I mean by that is like a drama, like a play or a movie. So right. like what's happened to you in your life, your past experiences, um, your goals that you have, what you're worried about, what you fear, what you hope to accomplish, all of these things that you think about, right. Yeah. That make up Jared. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think of it as I do this in a group. I, I, I play a little game, right. And in, in the game, there's three main roles. And then I do my best to create a drawing of a book. And I'm like, this book is your life. Right. And I've been narrating, but you're narrating your life. Right. And it's that, so I totally understand where you're, what yeah. you're saying with that. Yeah. Like, and when you are, so do you like just cruising on the boat or do you like being like pulled or wake surfing? What do you like to do the most? I would say all of it, but honestly, I, I, f- I have the most fun as a passenger watching okay. somebody. Let's go with that. Okay. Let's go with that. So being a passenger and just being in that moment, the sun's coming down, the wind's hitting your face, the, yeah. the like little bits of the water are coming and you just like in that moment, what happens to the story of Jared? It's, it's not on my mind. Like it, I'm not aware of it. My conscience is not focused on the story of Jared. Right. So all the things that you regret, all of the things that you're worried about, all the things that you have to do tomorrow, what happens to all those? They don't exist. None of them, right? No, they really don't. What does it feel like to be in that state? Like describe that state. Freeing, peaceful, uh, like I said, bliss, just happiness, um, connected connected to nature, connected to my family, connected to, you know, uh, myself. Does it almost feel like the whole entire universe is kind of contained in that moment? Like there's nothing missing from that moment. Do you, yeah. do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. If I was to say, Oh, Jared, you're, well, I could add a hundred percent absorbed, like completely absorbed in what you're doing. And you couldn't add to that, right? There's nothing no. that would make it even better. It's right. like, it's just pure fulfillment, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's these, these different things that happen, right? When you're in that state where you feel for me, it's like relief. You know, I just feel like I'm home. Like yeah. I just feel like I can breathe again, you know? Um, so yeah, your sense of time just evaporates. The story of you fades away. You yeah. know? And the only other time that these things happen is in a state of deep sleep. Right. But Where we have conscience no, isn't dr- the, yeah, the story of you shuts off and you, right. and you say, Oh, I love to sleep. And you're like, well, why do you like to sleep? And you're like, feels so good. And you're like, well, how do you know? You're like, can you remember it? And you're like, no, no. you know <laughs> no. what I mean? But, right. but it's, it's kind of this odd thing. I think a lot of people relate sleep with peacefulness though. Right. Like when because you're, the when story you're in a of deep me sleep, turns off. Yeah. You're peaceful. You're, you're at rest. Right. Have you yeah. ever heard that? Like you are your own worst enemy. Oh, I know that. So the man. mind, right? Yeah. The mind just runs and runs and runs and runs Marathons. and tells these stories and goes and goes. And so when you're in that state, it, all of that is gone, 
right? Yeah. And you're totally connected with life. And something that I notice when I'm in that state, so I love boating too, I feel very connected. So like you said, nature, family, like you feel love, um, uh, you feel intuitive, you feel yeah. like you're connected to whatever that, uh, whatever you consider to be um, higher power or God or universe or energy, you feel very in touch with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I especially think when, when you say that, I especially think higher power. Right. And I think energy, those energy. are the two that come to my, that manifest for me is, is a higher power. I feel close to, to, to God as my higher power, my creator. Yeah. And then the energy of, of my loved ones around me, I'm very connected with those two. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we do these things that are beautiful, right? I mean, you think of your senses in that moment, you're so in touch with your body, with the sounds, with the sights. If I was to say, close your eyes right now and to describe what it feels like when you're on that boat, like, what do you see? What do you smell? Um, what are you hearing right now? Like you could go into detail, right? Cause your senses are so awake. They're yeah. so alive in that moment. Um, but then we attribute that experience the feeling of that to the experience, right? right? Well, I'm only happy or I'm only feel that way when I'm boating or mm. when I'm snowboarding or when I'm surfing or when I'm painting or when I'm writing poetry, right? right. Yeah. Here's my take on mindfulness. Okay. The reason that you feel the way that you do in that moment has nothing to do with this experience necessarily. The experience is a gateway, meaning that when you're in that moment, you finally let go. And you just breathe and you connect and your senses are vivid. They're wide awake, right? And you are connected to what life truly is, right? The sounds, this, this, the warmth of the sun, the water on your face, the spray, like all of it, you are just absolutely connected to it. What if that same state is always present? Meaning that what if you sitting here right now, you could take a few just deep breaths like really deep breaths and you could start to feel that energy in your body you can start to feel your own presence you can start to feel the life within you you start to look and you start to see the details and that same sense of relief or what was your word you had connected connected what if yeah. that same feeling of connectivity just washes over you what if it's available when you're stuck in traffic what if it's available when you're standing in line at walmart what if you're standing there, one view is you're like, gosh, the person who's doing the checkout, I got the wrong line. You know, like I'm important. I'm in a hurry. I, you know, getting frustrated, yeah. judging all those things. And the other one is you just connect back to yourself, right? That's all breathing and meditation is, is it's the opposite of addiction, which addiction is like distraction, right? Right. It's connection and not just to others, but it's connecting to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because addiction is definitely distraction. It also is a way to numb. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a, a, can I say mindfulness, right? Sure. You're, you're connected, which is the opposite, right? And you're feeling, you're embracing your surroundings, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of numbing. Right. So yeah, yeah there's, there's that, a man. breathing exercise called breathing exercise called, uh, the Wim Hof method, which is probably one of the greatest uh, breathing exercises I've ever discovered. I do a lot of different breathing exercises, but this one in particular, it takes about 11 minutes to do it. It's very, very intense. It creates a whole lot of panic and anxiety during it. But afterwards, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really did. Yeah. It's, it's, you warned me though. Yeah, I you did. did. You, I, 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 I oversell it sometimes, but, uh, it is intense, right? Yeah. Very intense. And you have to put your all into it. But what you're going to experience on the other side of that is this feeling of the mind just racing normally it's going it's going the mind just comes down and if it's having thoughts they're very few and far between and they're usually about this moment not about something right. later today or yesterday or it even stops completely and you feel or call it chi, call it energy. You feel connected to you. You feel your heart. You feel your presence. You feel gratitude. You feel relief. Yeah. So for me, it was it was super powerful. I'll just kind of talk people through it from uh, my experience. I'd never done Wim Hof. Met Ryan. Sat in on one of his groups. We did Wim Hof, and it's intense breathing, mm -hmm. right? Followed by periods of holding your breath, 
whether it's exhalation in a hold or whether it's inhalation in a hold and check it out. You can find it on YouTube, hit up Ryan. He'll take you through it. It's amazing. The things that happened to me was first this sense of like, I felt so much blood in my head, right? Like I felt my face was tingly. I felt this rush come up my spine and in the top part of, of my head. And then probably around round three, it was like emotions. Just like I felt love. I felt I could, you know, my surroundings, I could hear other people. I felt connected with the people in the room. And honestly, I, at the time I wasn't feeling sad, but I could feel a sense of sorrow mm. from, from the circle. Right. And I thought, why am I, why do I feel this emotion? And then I thought, and then it, I kind of, whether I heard it or whether I thought it, it was like, this isn't yours, but you're, but I was picking up on it. Does that make sense? Right. Definitely. And it was powerful. It is. I, to be totally honest, you told me to be open and be honest mm -hmm. or to be open. And so I did. And it blew my mind. Yeah. Like for the people out there that are like, that's just frou frou. That's just, no, like it really, it was super powerful. Yeah. And then I would say for probably the next hour, I was just like, you could slap me in the face and I would just look at you and smile. Yeah. Like I was just totally at peace, totally calm. And I'm the worst at like, my mom will tell this birthing story about how I couldn't wait. To, like I was almost born in a wheelchair, right? Because I was a rush to get in this world. And she always follows it up by, I haven't slowed down since. Like yeah, I'm yeah. just constantly go, 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 go. Right. And so it was, I, I've been into this lately ever since I met you because it really did. Like it really helped. I was missing a huge part of that in my life. Even my older brother, Jason has shared to me like, dude, just sit down and like, breathe for a minute. Right. Cause I'm always kind of on the go and, and high energy. So it's been a huge impact in my life. Yeah. So, so like what is mindfulness though, though? So the state that you were in on the boat. Yeah. What I'm saying is that you can learn to live life from that perspective and it shifts everything. The way that which in which you experience life radically changes. And that's everything. what I feel like I'm starting to come into a little bit. Right. Right. I'm trying to live a little bit more in the moment. I'm trying to remember to just take deep breaths. Like, have you heard of the, the four seconds in eight seconds out, uh -huh. repeat that three times. And, and that helps a lot. Yeah. Like to, to kind of bring myself back to this moment. It's cool though. You're talking about even in traffic or even in the grocery line when you're, you know, 12 people back and you start to get that anxious, that those uncomfortable feelings. I haven't been able to get to a point where I can, can do that, but you're saying it's possible and that's pretty cool. Well, and I'm not even saying it's that difficult. It's, it's hard to do it consistently. That's the, it's remembering to remember, to remember, right? Because our mind is racing all the time and it pulls our attention into it without consent. It just goes and does its own thing. Right. You know, half the time I'm like, when I catch my thoughts, I'm like, who's the director? <laughs> like, you know, like random fake, videos happening in my head or fake conversations. Like I'm not directing that. I don't know who is, but some weird stuff's going on. Right. Our attention is just always getting pulled into that. And so it's remembering to come back to here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Breathing, like filling your body, noticing right now what it feels like to be present in your body, to feel the weight against the chair, to feel your feet on the floor. Like you can start to just pay attention to your feet and you can start to feel this subtle energy. Yeah. your feet you can feel it in your hands if you just like put your attention into it and the cool part about this is that this is inclusive meaning that a lot of people think in recovery that there's this path and there's this path and there's this path well this thing that we're talking about is inclusive meaning that you utilize this and it, it changes the way that you experience the world and you can utilize all the other things and it changes the way that you experience everything. Right. And it doesn't uh, have to be this or that. Like you can still go to church and have religion and feel spirituality and feel mindfulness and, and right. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, of course. It's, I, I just think that for me, that inclusivity, meaning that all is accepted, all ways are beneficial and everything is valid. So your experience is valid and what you've been through and how you were able to get to where you're at, that is incredibly powerful and valid. And then if there was somebody sitting here, how they utilized it and, and their journey, that is incredibly powerful and valid. Yeah. You know, you know what certain things, there is come no to wrong us. answer is no. what I'm getting from you. There yeah. is no wrong answer. There is no wrong experience. It, whatever it is for you is exactly what it was supposed to be for you. 
Right. Is that, am I safe in saying that? Right. Because everyone's journey is different and what they need will come to them in the moment they need it in. Right. We're always trying to figure out what we can do before the moment's there. How can I do this? Or how can I accomplish this? If you could let go and allow the moment to be what you need will come to you right in the moment that you need it. But that's called letting go and having faith. Right. Right. Which yeah. is very hard to do because we want to control everything. Yeah. Yeah, fallacy of control. I'm definitely guilty of that. Yeah, we. Yeah, we. So am I. Yeah, yeah very much. <laughs> yeah. Steps to surrender. That's. What I'm pretty sure that's in the steps to surrender too, of of just letting go and trusting in something greater than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk for. Holy cow! This thing has flown by, Ryan. <laughs> you man, I feel like I've been in a, a meditation this whole time with you. So I just got to share a quick experience. I used to do the guided meditations after I met with you. And because I have such a busy mind, they were helpful. And I'm at the stage now where I'm trying to do it just to music. Mm, I like that. Do you have any tips for people that are just trying to silence the mind and, and be in the moment that yes. maybe need to switch from a, a guided med because they're different, mm -hmm. a guided meditation. Sorry, man, I'm only leaving you like a minute. So, it'll be a great outro and then they can get a hold of you. Yeah. So the breathing, um, most of us, if we just try to sit down and meditate, our minds are busy. And then if we close our eyes, our mind gets even louder. And they're like, oh, we can't meditate. This doesn't work for me. No, that's the nature of the mind, right? And so learning to do breathing exercises, it's the breathing exercises that takes our attention and focus away from the mind, which the mind then starts to slow down. Like the more you pay attention to your mind, the more momentum you give it. It's like a longboard wheel. You just keep spinning it faster. When you remove attention and put it into your breathing, the mind will start to slow down, right? And so if you can learn some breathing techniques and incorporate that first and then do some meditation. Get a hold of Ryan. Trust me, you won't want to miss on this. It's an amazing exercise. He's a great dude. I know that I I personally want to learn more from you. So I'm going to be getting a hold of you. How do we get a hold of you, Ryan? How do we get involved with Premier so, Counseling? So Premier Counseling Services. So we're here locally in St. George. Um, we offer IOP, general outpatient, mental health counseling. We do everything. We do EMDR. Um, yeah. Just What's the call number? 435-610-1696. Awesome. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you on. for joining Thanks, us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.